Hello and welcome. I'm Alexander. And I'm Simon. We are still very much knee-deep in tech, and this is episode 62, recorded on the 4th of February 2019. How did it become February? I don't know. I went into a man cold and there it was. Oh, that's an interesting idea. So would you say that February is dependent on your man cold or is your man cold dependent on the fact that it's February? You, you, since you don't have children, you may not be aware about what February is called in Sweden. Have you heard February. about February? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh... I want to hear you explain to our <laughs> listeners what VAB is in English. Go for it, dude. <laughs> it's... It's basically taking care of your sick children. And uh, since it's Sweden, we, of course, get paid to do that. Yeah, we get sick days for our kids. Yeah. Uh, it, Actually, it one doesn't of the work the other propositions for kids, in my opinion. Yeah, so it, it doesn't work the other way around, which would have been great. If what, my do you daughter... want to take care of your, your parents? No, if the daughter got paid for having... Your sick children sick uh, adults sick, sick parents you know this just completely derailed everything shall <laughs> yeah. we get on with with <laughs> the show definitely uh with the shovel <laughs> with the show <laughs> i went out with the shovel yesterday we have snow as well oh, uh, we do yeah so i do you know what ga stands for ga as in generally available global global availability as global well availability okay yep since we actually had a great day this last friday when microsoft announced global availability of desktop app azure Ooh. Uh, which is very very cool we have discussed it a couple of times on previous episodes we have uh, and Desktop App Azure is, is really about microsoft stepping up to their promise of helping every organization to Windows 10 mm-hmm. by saying that 99% of all applications that work on uh, Windows 7 or Office, earlier releases of Office, should be able to run on Windows 10. Mm-hmm. And up until last Friday, Microsoft ha- have had a service where they are offering to help their customers free of charge to make existing applications compatible with Windows 10 and Office 365 Pro Plus. All right. And last Friday, it went live in in all time zones, supporting 10 languages, English, Japanese, Chinese, both simplified and traditional, German, Spen- Spanish, Korean, French, Portuguese, and Italian. Nice. Yep. So it's now available for everyone who have at least 150 seats and runs enterprise or education windows okay so enterprise is a must yeah it's an sa perk really oh oh good point good point yeah but anyways they have started to and they as microsoft have started to release a number of business cases or you cases case studies um, mm-hmm. with desktop aperture where they show how they have helped customers uh, in all different kinds of uh, verticals to get up and running with wraps. One of the things that Brad Anderson wrote about in his blog post on January 14th uh, with the headline 2019 is the year to make the shift to a modern desktop. He he actually said that looking at desktop aperture, they looked into 
let's see, they had a bunch of customers that wanted help after Ignite when this was released in, in North Americas. These customers had in total 41,000 applications. They considered 7,000 of them having com- potential incompatibility concerns, but in reality, of these 41,000 applications, only 49 needed some kind of TLC. Wait, 41,000 and 49 that required something, some yep. work to be yep. done. It, does it say anything about how difficult it was to get these 49 to actually run? Because, I mean, if, if, if it turns out that 30 of them just would not run, that's a bigger issue in my opinion. But I would guess that's not the case because it's a darn app. It doesn't say, but as far as I've seen and read, not a single app until today have taken more than six weeks for them to take care of. That's cool. Yeah. And there may be some additional perks, or not perks, but things to consider. Uh, I met one a Microsoft person a couple of weeks ago, which said that something that they won't help is if you have an app that are dependent on Novell. Or my oh, really? focus, which seems quite obvious. But yeah. 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 So I'm, I'm really excited for that. I'm looking forward to see if any of our customers need help. I've had, I've actually asked a number of them, and no one have said that they had any apps that needed this kind of help. Oh, really? So far. Okay. So, um, yeah, we'll see. It's it's going to be interesting to see how big of, a, of an issue this is when things are actually starting to ramp up when it comes to moving to a modern desktop. Yeah. And we'll talk more about modern desktop in a few minutes. Mm -hmm. So what's happening with Alexander? Um, Quite a lot, I'd say. Uh, And I want to start off with Power BI. And we have not received a Power BI desktop update, which is um, unexpected. It's, It's kind of unheard of. But then again, they probably cleared out the cupboards uh, last year. Yeah, and it's there been, have been a rather some... short month. Fair enough. Uh, no. <laughs> but there have been a few very interesting blog posts that I wanted to mention. And one new feature is the email subscription that is available. So you can set up an email that it's basically an email-based subscription for a report. So whenever you want that email to go out, it's going to go out with a link to the report that someone wants to uh, subscribe to. And you can sync this to when you update your data, your data set. So you always have the uh, freshest data. There are quite a few things that are not supported yet, such as role level security, uh, bookmarks and slicer and filter context. But according to Christopher Finland, it's coming in the upcoming months. Some things turned out to be slightly more difficult and more work than they had anticipated. And some things are just in the pipeline for expected release soon, Okay, which is kind of nice. I want to ask you to make a note of this conversation, which we'll follow up after this podcast, because I just had a brilliant idea. Uh-oh. So stay tuned, but note that oh, we should talk more dear. about this. That That's kind of a nice segue into another thing that I want to talk about, <laughs> and that is Power BI High Availability. <laughs> That so is, we fail over to you now. Uh-huh. Yeah. There is something called Power BI High Availability. And that means that the underlying infrastructure of the Power BI service can, under 
a set of very specific circumstances actually fall over. Fall over or fail over? Well, both, I'd say. <laughs> it, one one is, is preceded by the other. Yeah. And if, if it falls over, it can fail over. And this can take up to 60 minutes. But Power BI, the service, is highly available. Yeah. Uh, and there is a new blog post that details what you can expect, how it works, what does not work, and what happens when uh, when Power BI comes back online. And that's uh, that's an interesting FAQ to to have read before the shit hits the fan, so to speak. But but that's for the the Azure Power BI service. So it's more about an informational thing, or is it something that you as a customer really need to be cautious about? Uh, I'd say yes on both <laughs> those questions because yes, it's it's um, it's the PowerBI.com, the uh, the online portal, correct? Yeah. Yep. But as as a client and as a user of Power BI, you really should be aware of how this works and and what it affects and what's going to happen if you're running in a failover state. Yeah. Because things like your uh, on-prem data gateways are not going to work, for instance. Ah. Huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's a good one. I'll link that in the show notes. Great. And and something and, super and. cool and an exceptionally useful thing if you want to have a splitting headache <laughs> is to listen to Greg Lowe on the SQL Down Under podcast because he has interviewed Joe Sack, one of the uh, absolute grandmasters of uh, Microsoft when it comes to SQL Server. He's part of the SQL Server core team. And they are talking about something called the intelligent query processing. And holy cow, this is as close to black magic as you can possibly come in SQL Server. This is where the interleaved execution of uh, SQL Server 2017 uh, comes from. And that is a possibility to use something that up until 2016, always meant that the optimizer had no data to go on. That's been changed in 2017 and going forward. So the optimizer can kind of stop mid-stride and take a peek at data and then keep going and thus giving you much, much better execution plans. And the the mechanics of this is just mind-blowing, just insane and i'm pretty sure that uh joe would just smile and say well it's complicated and then he'd launch into a long discussion yeah so if you want a headache listen to the podcast go listen to that podcast yep yeah you were saying something about um something that was kind of come later yeah is that now it's that's now uh we have spoken about the thing called microsoft managed desktop before do you remember that Oh, we have. We have indeed. We have now received some more information on that in form of an ebook, who were published a couple of days ago. Okay. And um, it's basically telling you why you should go down the Microsoft route and what benefits you would get from Microsoft Managed Desktop. And, and what then, benefit would those be? Uh, a number of things like they're pointing out the benefits of various Microsoft solutions. I won't go into detail on those, but the, the interesting part is that to get started on your digital transformation, in other words, to get started towards Microsoft Managed Desktop. And if anyone from Microsoft is listening to this and I'm saying something wrong now, please let me know. And I quote now, 
to get started on your digital transformation, you need to take a few prerequisites steps. Make sure you have Microsoft 365 E5 licenses for all your users. Connectivity to numerous, numerous Microsoft services endpoints. Makes sense. Azure Active Directory. And then ensure that you migrate email to Exchange Online, files and folders to SharePoint Online, Skype for Business to Skype for Business Online, aka Teams, and sync files to OneRef for Business for backup and recovery. Once you're done with that, look into Microsoft Managed Desktop. Oh. Which put things into perspective. True. Uh, I am, haven't read the entire ebook yet. It says a bunch of good things, for sure. Nothing new as far as I can see. But this also points out where we as Microsoft needs to go. Mm-hmm. Which is full cloud. Full and cloud. full 365 E5. When you say full cloud, we've been at this for quite a while. And we've, we were here when Microsoft said, everything is going to go to the cloud. There is nothing to be left behind. Yada, yada, yada. The market went, yeah, about that. And then Microsoft kind of switched the stance to hybrid. Are they gearing back towards full cloud again? I think for, for the workplace and I can kind of agree with them on this. For the workplace, full cloud, mind they actually say that it's possible to sync your on-premises Active Directory and, and still be eligible for this. But as I see it, the endpoint have very little to gain from being a hybrid one. If you look at hybrid as the end game. I've done sessions on hybrid workplace and did a pre-conf on hybrid workplace where but but the point of those were this is what you can start using from the cloud to enhance your on-prem infrastructure while you're migrating as i see it if you look at it from a workplace perspective i see very few reasons to be on-prem today okay from a data center point of view so applications the backends there are still benefits from Fair being on-prem. Fair enough. So the the old adage, it depends. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. It's also stated, and this is fairly interesting, Microsoft Managed Desktop is available in the United States, Canada, United Kingdom, Australia, and New Zealand, but not in Quebec. Not in, not in what? <laughs> Quebec. Quebec? Yeah. For some oh. very, from, for some reason. Some Canadian needs to explain this to me. But apparently Canada... Um, I'm pretty sure that Quebec. the uh, Quebec region is uh, French speaking. Ah, Might that have that something would, to do with it? Yeah, definitely. That would make sense. Um, I want to point something out because I'm an idiot. Please do. I I know exactly why RLS is not working with the uh, email subscriptions. Ah. Because it's not a link. It's a paginated report. Uh, ah. The same thing that Patrick LeBlanc showed on stage at Pass Summit. So it's a paginated report. And as of this moment, paginated reports do not support RLS. And so that explains pretty much everything. And else. what's a paginated report? A paginated report is a classic reporting services report that ah. you put into Power BI. Ah. So you would then get the actual... A point in time of that actual report sent to you. Correct. Yeah. 
and that then it's very hard to do RLS on it. Uh no, because it's Is coming it into uh, uh, paginated reports. It's it's on the roadmap, and ah. that would mean that one uh, nice subscription would send out different data sets to different people. And that's that's um, kind of the holy grail. That's that, what they're that's cool. looking for. That's, it is that's, awesome. That, that's very interesting. Again, we will have we have some things to talk about. Sure, we do. Uh, and speaking of of Power BI and Patrick LeBlanc, Africa is lost. <laughs> Africa will never be the same again because Patrick LeBlanc and Casper de Jong from uh, the the cat team are in Africa to teach Power BI to uh, the EGPAF. That's the Elizabeth Glazer. Pediatric AIDS Foundation in Lesotho. Oh, so they are they are giving to that community, which is, in in my view, absolutely awesome. And I'm yep. so much looking forward to speak to Patrick and and hear uh, about his travels in in Africa. That sounds great. And and have you? Uh, we've discussed this previously. Microsoft, if I remember correctly, gives their employees a couple of days every year to do things like this. And still, I think so. Rate. Yes. Yeah? That that's great. It is ju just amazing. That's like putting your um, put your money where your mouth is. Yeah, it's one thing to say that we're going to do awesome stuff, and it's another thing to really do it. Yeah, great. Well done, Patrick and Casper. Sure. And speaking about exotic countries, you're going to Norway. Yes, Norway is a very exotic country. It is. Uh, there are so many things that could be said about Norway, but I'm actually going to the Nordic Infrastructure Conference. Yep. And we both went 20... Last year. <laughs> yeah, 2018, which was uh, amazing. It was yep. a great conference. And I've been accepted to speak not only two sessions, but three. Yeah. Because their, their guy that was supposed to do uh, the um, Azure Secret Server uh, apparently had to uh, bow out. So I got that slot instead which is kind of cool. Yeah. So three sessions, uh, one on Azure SQL Server, one on Data Lake, and one on machine learning. Cool. And I am I just had a few ideas that are classic Alex weird stuff. So <laughs> a few weird things are going to accompany me to to Norway. I, I, think, Let, I thought you, I just, were your weird thing. thing. Yeah, weird thing well, too. Let's just put it this way. It is surprisingly hard to find pool toys in February. Again, just, just leave ask, it at that. Just ask. I have children or one. Yeah, there is a slight difference in circumference between your kid and my stomach. Just saying. <laughs> and it's official. I will be delivering two sessions in Redmond at Tech Mentor Redmond in August. Congratulations. Thank you. That's that's awesome. So this is my first accepted uh, submission outside of Europe. Yep. That's cool. It is. So you're not just an international speaker after August. You're a global speaker. A global speaker. Well, in a way, yeah, I guess. Yeah, of course. What what's wrong with being a global speaker? Nothing wrong with being a global speaker. So we we also had. Oh, oh I, I just want to 
say something first. To uh-huh. um, I went to Dublin last week. Oh, you did? You did? And not to speak. Uh, I'm uh-huh. going back there next week to do a training. But last week I was there uh, having some account planning with the Swedish team for from Worldwide Inside Sales. So the telemanaged account executives of Microsoft. You may know them if you're a smaller customer to Microsoft. That That's the account executive you get. Someone calls you up from Ireland and All right. helps managing your account. Okay. And I just want to say that the next time your account executive calls you, say hello and speak to them for a while because they are a brilliant group of people. And don't feel that if you're getting a telemanaged account manager, account manager, that you in any way draw the short straw because those people are just amazing and they are so dedicated to their customers. But let's just just be clear. These are not the guys that call you and say that they're from Microsoft and you have issues with your computer, correct? No, 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 no. If, if, if you are a fairly large Microsoft account, even though you're on the smaller side, so say that you're around 100 to a couple of thousand seats, uh, you probably are one of the telemanaged customers. I think in Sweden, to not be telemanaged, you should be in the top 500 of their customers. Uh, but if you are smaller than that, you will get an account executive that will help you out over the phone. And they are not to be looked at as anything less than a physical person because they are really dedicated to what they do. And they have some great insights. They have access to some great technical knowledge. Um, so it's, it was great fun to meet them once again. Mm-hmm. Um, so be kind to your account executive. Be kind to your account executive. That's a top tip right there. Yeah. We also had a couple of points which we didn't have time to discuss last time. Mm-hmm. So did we talk about Intune last time? I think we did. No, uh, we just covered it very sh- Briefly, shortly. Yeah. And there was also a very good comment on Twitter on uh, Windows Managed Desktop. You remember that one? Not Windows Manager Desktop, right, but Windows Virtual Desktop. Yes, correct. Let's see if I can find that. That's a good point. Uh, we, we had a comment from, we discussed Windows Virtual Desktop, and or we really discussed the end of support for uh, Office Pro Plus. Right. That on was Windows Server. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we, we may have mixed up the terms or been a bit unclear on the terms of Windows 10 VDI and Microsoft Windows manage uh, Windows Virtual Desktop. Okay. And let let's be completely clear that. Uh, so we 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 talked about that you as an organization need to look into instead of choosing Windows servers to deliver desktops, should look into Windows 10 VDIs as of now. Okay. When Windows Virtual Desktop is released, you should look into that to get multi-session desktops. Uh, when Windows Virtual Desktop is publicly available. You should look into that to really replace your server workloads because the downside of using Windows 10 VDIs would be that you only can be one user per virtual machine. Okay, so there is no multi-session in the VDIs. No, but when we get Windows Virtual Desktop, you will be able to get multi-session Windows 10 machines that would replace your Windows servers. 
Ah, good point. So, so that's the thing. Yep. That if you want dedicated virtual machines, you could use your Windows 10 PDIs as they are today, which Rene, for example, my, my friend from Switzerland, uh, uses at his school. And if you wait for the availability of multi-session Windows 10 and Windows Virtual Desktop, you would be able to move your session host workloads. So when you have more than one user on one virtual machine to that environment. Good one. Yep. And I just want to mention one, the main thing I would say when it comes to the latest Intune release. Mm -hmm. We finally got security baselines in public preview. And security baselines would be the recommended security settings being applied by Intune and recommended by Microsoft. As opposed to policies. Yeah, that would be the equivalent or close to equivalent of the uh, security compliance manager group policy templates. Right. Yeah. So they are now available in Intune. The benefit of that is that they will be updated much more frequently they will be able to be customized and self-documented in a way since everything will be turned on by default and then if you turn something off it will be obvious straight away inside of the console oh cool so that's that's really nice nice and how hard would you say that it is to migrate from the gpos to um, the security baselines that's a very very good question which i get quite a lot you really should consider what you we are using group policies for today. So today we use group policies to be compliant. So something that will ensure that we have the correct patches that we um, are not able to connect to all places and so on. Mm -hmm. We apply different lockdowns. So say that our users aren't allowed to do specific things inside of the OS. And we also provide services with these settings. So that could be connecting them to a, a remote share, uh, adding favorites to your browser or whatever it could be. All right. And many of these group policy settings that we look into are also there because we are running things on-prem. So if you move from uh, an on-prem infrastructure or on-prem work place to a cloud one, you shouldn't be required to add as many settings as you used to. Mm -hmm. So I would say that you are not migrating as such. You may be forced to migrate some things, but not all. But cons instead of looking at it as migrating, see as a new workplace with new tools and thereafter look into what you really need to do in terms of compliance, which is security baselines, locking down the, the devices, which could be done with these kind of settings on any platform really. And, and the baselines are only for Windows. Let me remind you of that. And the last thing, which is to me the most important part of it, look into what kind of service you want to provide your users. What can you do with the MDM policies that can enhance the user experience of your workplace? So it's always down to what do you want to accomplish exactly. more than this tool can do this. Yes, and I think that's something we, we really need to change. 
when it comes to looking at it, like look, changing the way we have looked at group policies and look at how we are applying MDM policies, always ensure that you actually need a setting. Nice. More than apply everything. Now that's that's another top tip. Make make sure that it is relevant. Yeah. And also something that people generally don't do, I would assume, is to go through their settings from time to time and make sure that everything is relevant. Yeah. If if we look at the general customer of ours that uses group policy, they very rarely go through their policies. I've tried to get many of them to do uh, an overview of them every single time they upgrade to a new Windows 10 release. But for many, that's a hard thing to fit into their schedule, but something that's absolutely vital. Which is kind of stupid, really, because why? Uh, there's this this uh, medical adage, a penny of prevention is worth a pound in, in cure. Yeah. And it's the same thing here. If you clean a bit at a time, it's much easier than to just have to try to decontaminate your whole environment. Yeah, and especially when we get new both MDM settings and group policy settings with every single Windows 10 release, which can mm -hmm. actually be a benefit to you to use. And I think on that very clean tip, oh. it is time to end this week's show and we will be back next week. We sure will. Oh yeah, and until then, have a good one. Bye. Bye.